This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast. This is episode 118, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become that influential voice in your industry with a podcast. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the Podcasting Queen. Now, my guest today says, if you fear it, it means something to you. Push through the fear. I love that. And joining me on today's show is Nikki Shah. Nikki is the founder of My Muse. She's an inspirational speaker and an adventurer. And she has had quite a journey that has now led her to setting up a social enterprise that aims to help other people. Now, Nikki has been directly affected by numerous people close to her being diagnosed with cancer. In fact, several years ago, three of Nikki's best friends developed cancer and her best friend and soulmate was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Now years of learning and growth led her to founding the social enterprise to help others in ways that she could not find. So on today's show, Nikki's going to share how her story and the struggles that she had led her to create My Moves and that journey. She's also going to talk about driving a 27-year-old car in the outback in memory of Mike, as well as making the conversation around cancer an easier one to swallow. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Anne-Marie. You are so very welcome. So as we're reading your story and a bit of background to you, you know, first and foremost to say, um, you know, to have to go through those experiences would have been so, so, so difficult. But I love the way that you've now taken that and, you know, in memory of, of your friends and now created something that is giving back and being a support. It's being that hope and inspiration and possibility for others as, as well. So take us back, you know, that, that story and the struggles that you had and how that led you to create My Muse. Yeah, so my story began a number of years ago when um, he was my best friend at the time, Mike, got diagnosed with cancer. So he got diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Mm. And during that time, I was working full time. Uh, so I was working in recruitment at the time. And working full time as well as being a carer was a challenge in itself, but just something that you just take take on. You don't really question it at the time. But I look back now and just wonder how, how I did it. I don't know how I had that many hours in the day. Um, and I got pretty good at food prepping. It was, I was quite impressed with myself with the amount of Tupperware containers that I managed to, to use up. Um, but yeah, I had a journey of having somebody extremely close to me, um, diagnosed with cancer and it was a pretty full on cancer that he was diagnosed with. And it was something that as 
being in your early 30s, you're not really used to having somebody that is the same age as you being diagnosed with something that is so life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd had friends' parents and I'd had relatives that had been diagnosed with cancer, but nobody my own age. And it just started to bring conversations to a halt straight away. So I talked to my friends about it or I talked to my colleagues about it and they just wouldn't know what to say. So they just ended up saying nothing. And I even got to the point where I had friends that just disappeared and just didn't didn't contact me, didn't do anything. And I really felt a huge amount of isolation. And I feel that sometimes that's such a massive thing for a lot of carers out there is that you're caring so much for an individual and you, you are putting your life on hold while you look after them, um, no matter who they are, whether it's your child or your parent or your partner, um, that you don't really put yourself first. And sometimes it involves your friends and your colleagues actually telling you to put yourself first. Um, but also probably making you do it. So, you know, it wouldn't just involve my friends saying, oh, you need to look after yourself. But it was my friends actually saying, all right, I'm taking you for a manicure and a pedicure and we're both going to go together because that was the only way for me to actually go and do it. Yes. Um, but during that time, I just really, work really struggled. They they said that they were there to support me 100% and do as much as they could to help me. Um, but unfortunately, cancer is something that you don't, it doesn't really have a timeline that is exact. And so treatments can last a lot longer than they're expected. And unfortunately for Mike, he was actually diagnosed as being terminal and that ended up being a completely different timeline. And my work started to not really understand that I didn't know how long it was going to last. I didn't know how long I'm going to need support. I didn't know how long I was going to need flexibility because Mm. I just didn't know how long it was going to be. And obviously I wanted him to be around for as long as possible. Um, And so the conversations just got extremely difficult and my colleagues found it really difficult to talk to me and I stopped being involved in conversations and people would think that I wouldn't really want to laugh because my partner was slowly dying. Um, And so the isolation just kept on getting worse and worse. So I had it in my personal life as well as at work. And then unfortunately, when he passed away last January, the conversations just kept on going. Um, People kept on disappearing. People kept on just not saying anything to me because they just didn't know what to say say. and so the isolation just grew um and yeah and then I just had more friends that had been diagnosed I kind of just kept on thinking how can this just keep on happening where I've got you know a friend that was diagnosed with breast cancer a friend that was diagnosed with testicular cancer and I'm just going that's three of my closest friends that have all had this happen to them um, the other two have finished their treatment and they're doing extremely well now. So, you know, they, they had the, the great, um, the great ending from their treatment. So that was really nice to see them and see them both flourish and see them continue on with their life, even though it's probably quite different from what it was before they were diagnosed. Yes. But my life took a huge change. So I decided to step away from that full-time job that I had and, really trying to sit down and see what was important to me and what I wanted to do and where I wanted to make a difference. And I then decided to create my company, My Muse. So, um, yeah, so that's how that all started. So tell us about what My Muse is. 
So my muse was set up um, purely from those conversations that I really struggled with at work and my, my directors really struggled with. And it's about bridging the gap for employers and employees that are going through that cancer journey or might be carers going through that journey as well. So helping employers understand where they can, the conversations can really help. Um, but understanding the psychological effects and also the physical effects. So I've got a team of specialists of psychologists and oncology specialists and HR managers, and we've all been able to create education pieces and training that have been able to be delivered to different companies within Australia um, and different corporates within Australia for them to be able to navigate how to have somebody going through cancer continue on in the workforce because a lot of people and a lot of companies just assume that you're either going to carry on as normal and you'll just take a couple of days sick leave or that you'll take a significant amount of time off for example six months off and then come back once your treatment's finished and everything will be back to normal and everything isn't back to normal everything is a new normal and so just the whole conversations that go around all that and also understanding being able to be a support to the rest of the team because it might bring up things for the rest of the team that you've not even thought about somebody in the team might have lost somebody to cancer um and it could bring up all sorts of emotions um so it's it, it's being able to have a holistic approach to to the workplace um and all i try and say is Think of mental health 10 years ago and nobody would talk about it in the workplace. It was such a taboo. Yes. Um, that's where cancer is now. And the, the statistics are it's going to be one in two Australians are diagnosed with cancer by the age of 85. Wow. So every single person is going to be touched in one way or another. And pretty much if you ask anybody, they'll know somebody that has been diagnosed with cancer. So we're all, we all should be having that conversation. We should, we should all be able to be okay with having that conversation and okay to feel that we can support somebody mm. um but we're just not equipped at the moment no and you know what mm. as you were sharing um you know the journey that you went through and how people uh rather than having a conversation because they did not know what to say and let's face it sometimes as individuals when we don't know what to say we choose not to say anything because we don't want to cause any more drama we don't want to cause any more stress or sorrow because of what that person must be going through but i'm sure looking back um even just knowing that people were supportive even just saying to people look i don't know what you're going through but just let i just want to let you know that i'm thinking of you and i'm here if, if i can ever support you in any way and i don't really know what else to say sometimes that can be a huge support to you can't it because you 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 know then that hey i'm not on my own people are thinking of me and they are aware of what i'm i'm going through what would be some other of some of the other things that perhaps people could have done um that you can share insight such a great or hindsight such a great teacher i think but also too i think for those people who are listening or watching today or the recording that may be in a situation where a colleague or a friend or someone close to them is going through this how better can we support them so i say that some really really good things that i have people around me do was actually say something that they were going to help with so instead of just saying i'm here if you need anything mm than actually giving a task that they were gonna help with. So one of my friends picked up my car and took it for a car wash, which seems like the strangest thing to do, but my car was filthy and it was doing my head in as to how filthy it was. But 
I didn't have the time to go and clean it. And so my friend just took it to the car wash for me or my friends would pick up my dry cleaning for me. Um, if I was in the hospital, my friends would say, you know, is there any food that you need picking up? I'm in the supermarket right now. Do you need some fresh milk? Or, And it was just that sometimes thinking on the spot and just saying, okay, you know, I'm here right now. You don't feel like you're really putting somebody out of huge amount of inconvenience by if they're in the supermarket already, then, you know, they can grab something for you and just help you out. Yes. Um, but then when things were really, really tough, it was being able to like one of my friends just said what's your favorite takeaway place um let me get some food delivered for you because they knew that I wasn't wanting to cook for myself or one of my friends just filled my freezer full of food that you know meant that I wouldn't have to cook for myself after being in hospital all day um so it was little things like that um one of my other really good friends did um just came over to my place uh, with each morning when because I'd need my coffee to wake up and would come over to my place each morning and just send me a text message and say, there's a cup of coffee for you outside your door oh. and a croissant. I'll be in my car for the next five minutes if you want to talk. If you don't, then enjoy your coffee and I'll, I'll come by tomorrow. Wow. And that was when Mike passed away. And I just needed that. I needed people to acknowledge that I was going through something super super tough but then at the same time help in a way that they knew how to help you know it doesn't have to be this huge extravagant thing of mm. taking somebody away for a weekend or anything like just that cup of coffee made such a difference yeah. to and what I was say meals you, you got really good at meal prep but bringing down you mm. know meals doing washing ironing whatever it is the simplest of things can make a huge huge difference a cup of coffee it's outside your yeah. door with a croissant. Um, yeah. Those kind of small things can certainly uh, add up. Now, what you've done too is you you drove a 27-year-old car in Outback in memory of Mike. Tell us about that. How long ago was that that, that you went on that journey? Um, so I actually completed my second rally uh, last month. Wow. So I just finished it last month. And um, I participated in something called the Mystery Box Rally where we raise money for cancer council research. So all the money that's raised goes to cancer council research. Mm. Um, and this year we actually managed to raise $1 million, uh, and $30,000. Wow. $1, um, so that was about 350 people that managed to raise that much money, which is just so Incredible. spectacular. Um, and it all came about that one of my extremely good friends uh, that lives in Melbourne called me up last may and just said so you know how you said that you wanted to do something different there's this rally going on in the outback and you have to get a really old car and raise money for cancer council research do you fancy doing it and i think i was actually probably you know not really knowing what i was doing in my life at that point and just went yeah okay why not so i signed up for it and the next thing we're you know, searching for a 20 it has to be a 25 year or older car and it has to be a two-wheel drive um, I don't know anything about cars. I'm not a mechanic. I I just know how to change a tire. Oh, so that's good. That's one thing. <laughs> a pretty huge challenge. Um, but yeah, we managed to find a car on eBay for $350, um, which actually ran. And we, yeah, took her on a rally last year. So we started in Mildura last year. And the whole thing with a mystery box rally is that you know where you start and finish, mm. um, which last year was Mildura and this year was Byron Bay. 
but you don't know where you go each day. So each morning you wake up and you get briefed and get given a map as to where you're going. Oh. And the reason that the rally started off 10 years ago was James, the founder of Box Rallies, lost his mum and dad to cancer within a year of each other mm. and wanted to do something about it. So it was such an amazing thing for me to take part in last year and this year. It's such a beautiful community where everybody's participating because they've had some kind of connection with cancer. Um, you all get to drive these crazy old cars that some of them are decorated and you drive into these tiny little towns in Australia and help out local communities. And you're driving about six to 700 k's a day all on unsealed roads mainly. Um, so you get to see some beautiful parts of the outback. Um, but then also get to share this experience with, you know, over 300 other people, which is just such a beautiful thing. And wow. you're taken away from all your comforts. You're mm. camping in a tent each night. Um, you are not really showering each day and you are driving. You're exhausted every single day from, you know, the concentration that it takes, but it's all worth it. And to know that we raise that much money, it just, it makes it, all even better yeah. um it adds to the experience and so yeah who knows I, I i don't know whether i'll be doing it next year or i fingers crossed i will so yeah. we sold did you use the same year. car oh you sold the car did you use the, the yeah, same yeah. car both years yeah we used the car for two years but um we thought that she probably had her life in, <laughs> in the outback by then so yeah if we do it again we will do it in another car but we did it in memory of um of mike and yeah. someone that my co-driver had lost as well to cancer. Um, and we called the team, Team Bing Bong. Um, mm. So I don't know if any of your listeners have watched Inside Out, but Bing mm. Bong is the invisible um, friend that the little girl has. And Bing Bong was Mike's nickname. Oh. Don't know how it came about, but it did. And so he was our invisible friend while we were driving through the outback. So had a little stuffed stuff teddy bing yeah. bong that was on the front of the car yeah oh amazing amazing and it's incredible how you know often there are other events such as this you know the the outback event that are you know that also stand they have a voice they've got a message against it for a similar you know topic that uh, you know obviously my muse and, and you are really spearheading so it's great to be able to collaborate and uh, together with 350 other people, um, you know, making such an awareness, but also, um, you know, participating and raising funds for a very, very worthy cause. Making the conversation around cancer an easier one to swallow. I think just being able to speak with you today, sharing your stories, sharing your journey, and also through my muse, you know, how can we support people who are experiencing that, whether it's themselves or, or perhaps a, a close and a loved one? What are some of the key things that you continue to share when you do speak, when you do get out on stage that perhaps you might not have already had an opportunity to share today? What, what are some other things that you want to contribute to this conversation? Well, I guess it's also just the fact that I took something that was so traumatic and something that was just it affected my life in so many different ways and I never if you'd have asked me three years ago I never thought that this is what I'd be doing for my my job now mm -hmm. um that I'd be talking about cancer every day and I'd be talking to people that are going through their own journeys or um have a colleague that's going through a journey and 
it's something that has just it's evolved over you know it evolved over a couple of months of really just sitting down and figuring out exactly what I wanted to do and that I wanted to keep on helping people um and my muse came about that way and it's just as much as it is such a a topic that is still so so taboo I get so much energy from it every single day every meeting that I have I walk away and I'm just like if I can make a difference to one person from that conversation that's why I'm doing this yes. um of course you know it's important to to get the message across and work with big businesses but even just having that one conversation with that one person can can mean that they can talk to their friend a little bit easier or that they can talk to one of their colleagues a little bit easier or their family member and that's where I feel that although my muse is targeted towards companies, um, you know, it's also a company's responsibility that we we all pretty much work 24 hours a day now. Like our phones are, you know, glued to us, our laptops are glued to us. And so companies also have the responsibility that people don't switch off when they leave the office. They yes. continue to work. And so it's important that you do look after an employee's well-being in general so looking after their mental health but then also looking after being able to have these open conversations with them and being able to give them toolkits that they can then go home and potentially use in their personal life if they're going through something as well mm. um so that's where although my muse is targeted towards businesses it doesn't stop there um and it is just it's such an important conversation and the more that i talk about it with companies they go oh this isn't something that we've actually thought about before so mm. i'm kind of opening up their eyes to something that they've just not even considered but known that known that it's there yeah um we're all very good at talking to somebody or looking after somebody for example if they've got a broken leg or a mm. broken arm and assisting them and you know picking up their shopping for them or whatever but I always class cancer as one of those invisible illnesses like yes. mental health and people don't see it. People might see the the treatment, um, you know, the things that happen from the treatment, like losing their hair or mm. losing weight, but the things that are happening internally to a person, people don't see that. Mm. And it's remembering that that person is going through a huge journey and they're not going to be back to normal they are going to have a new normal and that potentially is going to be very different. And it's being able to acknowledge that and being able to support somebody to navigate that that is going to be their new life. Yes. Um, which is really hard. You know, I, Mike, when he was going through all his treatment, um, he had to have a lot of surgery as well. And he lost the ability to do so many things that he loved. He couldn't snowboard anymore. He couldn't really go swimming anymore. And, it's even things like that that they impacted us and yes. they impacted him hugely um so it is people really just taking a step backwards and taking a step back sorry and looking at the bigger picture looking at that person as a whole and not just the fact that they're going through chemo treatment or radiation treatment mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's so true. And then, of course, you've got the impact of the families, as you said, the caretakers, the people around them who are seeing this. And, and so often they're struggling to know what to say to those individuals, but then having to carry on uh, as part of normal going to work and so forth. As we know, when we're worrying and at, we've got anxiety or, you know, we're, we're concerned about someone that's close to us, that impacts our productivity and our performance. 
And I think if the organisation is aware of that, that one of the, the staff members is a primary carer or is close to someone who has, um, who has you know, this journey ahead of them, what sort of environment can we create? Can we do something to support, better support them? so that um yeah they they do feel supported in work because let's face it we spend so much time at work as you know employers as companies we want to make sure that we are providing the best support and that impacts those around them too and often we as i said we just um we tend to switch off or or if we won't talk about it then it won't exist but as we know that that certainly is not the case either so share with people how can they find out more about my muse i'm assuming that there's lots of information on the internet what's the url how best can um, they support you and get more information yeah so you can go onto the website so the website is just mymuse.com.au um, and then on there there are different um there's different articles, there's webinars on there, there's um, a description of the different programs that we run. Uh, on there you can actually contact myself directly or contact the rest of the team at MyMuse as well um, and talk to us directly. So if you're an individual that's going through something or if it's something that you think that your company would like to have a chat about and talk about, um, then that's something that we can do as well. I also do keynote speaking and um, talk at different conferences, et cetera. So if anybody does want to open up the conversation in those spaces as well, I'm happy to do that. It's obviously a topic that is pretty tough to talk about, but it also shows that you're thinking, you're, you're forward thinking. So, um, you know, having these conversations now is is pretty important. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. My calendar is already starting to get filled up for 2020, which is, scary yeah. like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's good because you know you're obviously getting the message out there and people are recognizing the impact the positive impact that um you know that my muse and and that the stories and the information you share is having on the lives of many many people so thanks so much nikki for coming on the show it's been a, such a pleasure and honor to speak with you today thank you so much Marie, for having me You've been listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini trading. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>